Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, sports fans. Welcome to another episode of WRSP Radio's Weekend Sports Huddle with Tom Pollan, Hunter Hodes. I'm Dave Holcomb. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Hope you're joining us with a Guinness in your hand or some kind of beverage. Of course, unless you're like Hunter and you're still not 21 years old, but uh, I'll uh, get on Hunter's case about that a little bit during this show. And we have a good show for you today. Every NCAA tournament has its Cinderella stories, and we're going to take a look at a couple of Cinderella's today, but uh, we saw unique history in the NCAA tournament last night. We'll take a look at that, along with, uh, as I mentioned, one other Cinderella story from Chicago. Uh, Loyola Chicago won uh, their game Thursday against Miami. They're in back at, at it again on the court today so we're uh, all rooting for them to get to the sweet 16 they're in the tournament for the first time as tom said since the mid 80s so uh that they they're i thought they were going to be maybe the cinderella of the tournament but umbc stole their thunder last night becoming the first 16 seed to be a one seed the ultimate cinderella but we'll also discuss where they rank among uh, their win last night where does that rank among the upsets in sports history. It's got to be up there among the best, I would say. So we're going to take a look at that. Of course, on the other end of every Cinderella story, there is heartbreak. And we're going to take a look at Virginia. Their historic season comes to a premature end, losing, becoming the first one seed to lose in the first round. Hunter will eloquently explain why in a little bit. We also have NFL free agency on this show. We'll take a look at that. The Chicago Bears were very busy in the first week of the frenzy. Are they any closer to surrounding their young quarterback with the weapons he needs on offense? Tom will weigh in on that. And we have another rumor from Chicago regarding the Blackhawks, that coming up in the second half of our show. But I'm now going to bring in my co-hosts. I believe we have Hunter on the line right now. Hunter, how are you doing today? Oh, good morning, David. Oh, man, I'm very happy after last night. It's a great morning to be a Virginia Tech Hokie this morning. Even though the game they're supposed to be playing in, if they had won, is uh, starting in like two hours and they're not in it? I know, yeah, that was that was unfortunate. <laughs> we, we, got, we got a little hosed at the end, kind of, but it wasn't the reason we lost the game. That was, it was a good game, though. Well, I'm glad you're in such a good mood, and and you you didn't even need any alcohol to get there. No, 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 no I say that for tonight, my friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is it ever and, a good uh, time to be a Virginia Tech Hokie? It's always a great day to be a Hokie, Tom. <laughs> okay, I'll take your or word for it. Think, or if Tom thinks I'm a West Virginia Mountaineer, ugh. I'm sorry. I keep getting those mixed, mixed up for some reason. I don't know. Oh, nope, nope. Can't mix those two up. They hate each other. 
And, and of course, we have Tom, who we've already heard for heard from uh, out in Chicago. Tom, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Dave. I'm, boy, that was a wild night last night. I'm telling you. Uh, between the, the TV and Twitter and everything else, it's it was an amazing game, uh, that University of Virginia game. And UNBC's Twitter account. Man, they, they were just firing off on everyone. Dave, did you see their Twitter account? Man, I had me in tears. <laughs> I did not see it, no. What, what was Oh, the... my goodness. You got to go to their timeline. All right, all right. I'll check it out. We encourage our listeners to check it out as well. And uh, we encourage our listeners to join in here on the show. What were you doing Friday night? Uh were you watching the Virginia UMBC game? Were you watching some other game going on in the tournament? Um, were you? Or, but let us know your, your NCAA tournament stories. We'd love to hear what games interest you in the first round. Lots of games to choose from. Yeah. But give us a call, 516-387-1417. You can also tweet at us at WKD Sports Huddle. Today's show is brought to you by author Marcus Accio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you towards wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosaccio.com. So I mentioned UMBC became the first 16 seed to win against a number one seed. UMBC, they prefer to go by the acronym, according to Jim Nance. Uh, he explained that during the, the broadcast last night. But UMBC stands for University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And they are from, uh, let me get this, I hope I got this right, American East Conference. Uh, two things I'd never heard of before Friday night, guys. I heard, I, I've heard of UMBC because, like, um, I think a couple people from my school went there. But that was really it. Um, I'm sure Baltimore was uh, – uh, it was pretty lively. That's probably the most live that Scott probably since the Ravens won the Super Bowl six years ago. So, <laughs> so what are you doing to celebrate, uh, Hunter? This this glorious victory yeah. for Virginia Tech. As I roll my eyes, oh, well, as I say. well, I mean, I mean, it's not only for for Virginia Tech, uh, but for the whole world and for everyone who did not have UVA in the Final Four. You know what? Hey, Dave, are, are you ready to admit that you were wrong? Uh, that you know I, I was right about UVA. That, that I, I said that they cannot make the Final Four. They're not going to get there because, um, well, DeAndre Hunter. I did not see that injury coming, so that didn't factor in. So we can. It, it does. It, it's unfortunate he was hurt. But I, I said before, I don't. I didn't think they were that good of an offensive team. Um, their defense style. It doesn't work in the tournament. And last night, I mean, it wasn't the big reason why they lost, but you saw UMBC came out like it was that it was nothing. They they came out and dominated that defensive unit like I haven't really seen before, especially this season. Um, I mean, Virginia Tech beat them, but that game was actually just close the whole game. It wasn't like this when it was just a straight beatdown in the second half. Um, UMBC adjusted. And Tony Bennett just like you know, just says, uh, you know, he, he uh, live live by you live by the sword and you die by the sword. And he lived by his little trap and it didn't work. So uh, you know he didn't adjust. And I think he should have tried to adjust. And you saw the players; they were kind of freaking out a little bit. They didn't know what to do. I mean, I I would have tried to adjust honestly. 
Tom, do you want to weigh in, or or should I respond to uh, to our, our our dear friend Hunter? Tom? Oh no, have we lost Tom? We lost Tom. <laughs> All right, we hope we get Tom back soon. Uh, I, Hunter, Hello. I was wrong. Oh, Hunter, oh. Uh, Tom, you there? I, I I was trying to weigh in on why Hunter thinks that. UVA's defensive style was not going to work in the tournament. Yes, I, I, I wanted to ask him about that as well. So, yeah, do you have thoughts on that, Tom? No, I just want to ask Hunter why he thought that. Because okay. to me, University of Virginia had a bigger team, a stronger team, and they really did let UMBC cut right through them yeah. like they were standing still. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, I, I didn't think that would happen. The reason I said that is because they, I mean, they've had some really good teams since Tony Vettick came in. I mean, better than my school, of course. I mean, no one's going to argue that. And they've lost before, they haven't been to a Final Four in, okay, I, I'll admit, I don't even know the last time they went to the Final The mid-80s. Very, I think it was, oh, eight, 80, I was 84 or 85. 80s. I think it was 84. I was going to say, I was, my guess was going to be the 80s. I wasn't sure. But, yeah. And, you know, you, they've been a number one seed plenty of times under Tony Bennett. I mean, this, this team probably the best team. And they can't even yeah. get to the, to the second round. It, it's just it, – it, 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 they have run into some pretty good teams. I mean, Michigan State beat them, I think, in the Sweet 16 one year. I predict they nice. upset. So, uh, very good. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, but – yeah, I mean, they're a believe it until I see a team. I'll believe that that style of play works in the tournament, unless they can get to like another elite eight or or a final four. Yeah, and you know what, people that pick them on final four, shame on you, shame on you. But but what about their defense? Are you saying was not going to work in the tournament? That that's still what I'm trying to to uh, because understand here. Because. It, these teams, they're not going against teams that are just like, wow, or like so familiar. They're, they're going to keep, they're going to go at them with everything they have. Like you saw in the ACC tournament, oh, those old teams are familiar with their own, their own styles. I think it's one of the big reasons UVA won the ACC tournament. Now you're in the NCAA tournament against teams you've never faced before or you haven't faced in Lord knows how long. They have different kind of styles, and they're not going to. They're just going to go right at them, and it's worked every year that UVA has been a top seed in the tournament, and it doesn't. It doesn't, and they don't adjust. They don't. They don't change their style of play, and until they, and yeah, it's just not going to work until they take a Final Four. (laughs) It's not going to work until it works. Yeah, right. I thought that myself. I'll believe it till I see it. That, that, that's it. I'll believe it till I see it. Well, I mean, uh, okay. Well, one of the things I think UVA failed to do, they got into a running game with UMBC, which they had no business being in a running game yes. with them. Yes, that um, was dumb. But, <laughs> you know, they left the lane open, but this is a big, strong team, very defensive team, you know, great defensively. But again, they got caught in UMBC style game. 
to me, one hard foul, and that might have closed off the lane to UMBC, kept them on the perimeter the rest of the game. But, you know, they they, they never did uh, put put a body in, in front of the basket and cut off any of those drives. Yeah. It was it was it was definitely kind of it was weird. I, I was just watching it. They drove right past them just every time for in for easy layups. You did never see that many easy layups against the UVA defense. It, it was definitely kind of interesting. All right, but that doesn't say <laughs> style of play to me. That just says UMBC kind of took advantage of their speed and maybe flustered UVA a little bit. Um, <clears throat> you know. And UMBC was hitting everything that they threw at the basket. It was, you know, was almost a perfect storm yesterday. Uh, Virginia couldn't hit a shot. UMBC couldn't miss. And that that was another thing you had going. Yeah, it seemed like every tough shot they put up, they hit. But you know, I'm chilling. You know, I don't ever want to hear a single UVA uh, student sports fan ever come at me with about Virginia Tech sports again in the rest of their lives because I'm just going to keep coming back to this. So they have that to, uh, to chew on for a while. Okay. It's a, great, it's a great day. It's a great day. Well, I was going to make similar arguments that, that Tom did. Tom, Tom kind of made the, my argument for me. Uh, and, Hunter, I'll admit I was wrong along with the rest of America because yeah, I was not the only crazy. one that had Virginia in the Final Four. My God, you're you acting like I went off really on a big limb there with having Virginia in the Final Four. They, they were the top seed in the tournament. They dominated the ACC, and that's where I don't really understand why you're saying like they're seeing different competition than they did during the year. They saw every type of offense, any type of team that you could imagine the ACC. The ACC is, if you're not going to argue, is the best conference in the country. It's certainly one of the best. It's certainly top three. And a team from a conference I've never heard of carves up this defense because it's a it, yep. it, because of their style of play. I don't buy that at all. I think I'm I'm sorry, Hunter. I think it's a lazy narrative. I think it's a lazy narrative to say that Virginia just can't win in the tournament because of their style of play. Two years ago, they played a team from the ACC and lost in the tournament. So that was a team that was very familiar with their style. Syracuse. They lost to Syracuse in the Elite Eight. They should never have lost that game. They blew it at the end. Uh, when when Jim Bay had put in his press, uh, so to me I, I I agree with Tom. It was the perfect storm, and and uh, you know UMBC hit tons of shots. They were 12 for 24 from the three point line in this game, guys. That stretched out the Virginia defense, uh, and when you stretch it out, the interior is, is more uh, to, more likely to to break down, and 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 it did. To me, they didn't play their style of defense in this one. Uh, they, they got carved up like they hadn't all season long, and they played, again, in one of the best conferences in the country. UMBC was 12 of, of 16 from two-pointers in the second half. They scored 53 points in the second half, UMBC did. Virginia held ACC opponents under 53 points in a game nine times. Nine times yeah. they held an ACC team again. Isn't that funny? Teams that from the funny? best conference in the country, one of the best conferences, under that amount for a whole game, 40 yeah. minutes, and they couldn't hold UMBC under that in the second half. 
part of it, let's give UMBC credit. They hit a ton of shots. They had a great game. They, they had a perfect game. That's what has to happen if you're going to beat a, a number one seed as a 16. We finally saw it happen. It was a perfect half. But for, for Virginia, it wasn't their style of play to me. It was it was a awful, their worst defensive performance I've seen them have, have maybe ever under Tony Bennett. Good. And remember, yeah. Tony Bennett won with a, <clears throat> another hyphen school, uh, uh, Wisconsin Green Bay. Tony Bennett kind of made his reputation uh, at that school before moving to Virginia. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot he was there. <laughs> so Bennett knows what to do. Bennett knows what it's like to be a, a gigantic underdog in the NCAA tournament and come out on top. So, you know, it's not like Bennett is completely thrown off off his game because of what he's seeing. He's seen this stuff before. Well, I think a, a stronger argument for, for Virginia haters like yourself, Hunter, um, or Virginia doubters, whatever you want to call yourself, um, would, would be that Virginia is is they 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 don't have more than one dimension to their game, and maybe that's what you're, maybe we're arguing semantics with this one, but um, when they 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 got into a a up and down game in the second half and. And they, they weren't able to keep up. Um, I think that would be a much stronger argument from from somebody like Charles Barkley after the game. And and he he said something similar to you that that just that Virginia's style of play isn't going to win six tournament games in a row. And I, that, that's that's bull to me. They they won. It's right. It's <laughs> how many right. ACC they games in a row? There's nothing to do with their style. Yes, it does. Oh, come on. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. They won the ACC tournament with their style. They won. Yeah, they the dominated ACC, the ACC in the regular the season. It's not, it's not their style. It, it, it's oh. When you get ACC. into oh. a, a tournament, you do have to win in, in multiple ways. And, and I believe that in every sport. You're not going to always win via your strength. Um, some Sometimes and you're going to have to win – different ways and and Virginia only has one way to win uh, if you want to argue that then I then I can agree with that um yeah, but they also had a bad game offensively so they they just yeah. played horribly uh, on on Friday night I think that yeah. was really why they lost well yeah yeah that that was the big one but it, so it has, can, well, you go against teams you know M- Michigan State you have so many other teams Kansas those teams will would definitely exploit it too. Hell, I had them losing to Cincinnati because Cincinnati is the number. I actually saw they are the number two uh, best defensive team in the country. So I actually would have been curious to see if UVA made it that far to see how low of a scoring game that could be, because Cincinnati is actually plays very well defensively as well. But it, it's a mix of things. They had their worst game of the season. And you know their uh, their style of play failed them last night. Their defensive structure just got carved up, and when it usually it never does. So you're saying they didn't they didn't play their style last night, right? They didn't they didn't play not, well they, to their style. It's not like they played they their, style their style and lost. They playing, There's nothing they flawed playing. with their style. They didn't play to their style. They didn't play up they, to their normal were, excellence. Right? Sure, sure. They didn't lose this game forty to thirty six. They lost because their defense failed them. 
It wasn't yeah, their it, style. It, it, it didn't. Yeah, it did fail them. And of course, they couldn't hit any shots, even though, uh, the, yeah, their defense, their defensive structure failed them. So no, I'm gonna I'm gonna die on that hill forever. You know, until they make a Final Four, that little style of play is not gonna work in the NCAA tournament. Oh man. It, man! Well, people. I don't think either uh, either and, and all three of us, none of us are gonna budge on that one. Uh, but we want to hear from you guys. We presented our arguments. Where do you fall in this argument? Give us a call five one six three eight seven one four one seven. Of course. We we, uh, we we focused on Virginia a lot, and, and I, I don't want to um, overlook the, the significance of this upset, guys. UMBC, again, becoming the first 16 seed to win a, a – beat a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. One thing I would say, just, just from a fan, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's excellent to see this history, but uh, it, it would have, I think, meant more if – it was Duke, you know, as the number one seed losing, or if it was North Carolina or, or Kansas. Virginia is a great program, but they, they, as, as Hunter has repeatedly said, they have not been to the Final Four in a long time. Uh, would this upset meant more, Hunter, if it was against a team that had won a, a national championship lately, like a Duke, a Kansas, a, a North Carolina, someone like that? Would it have been an even bigger upset? even though Virginia is as good as they are and they were the number one seed in this tournament? Yes, yeah, so it's all in, like, Villanova, like, who won two years ago. Yeah, I, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, like, are, are, is UVA the number one overall seed? Yes, do they have a very historic season? Yes, but, I mean, it, it is one of the big, biggest upsets in sports history, but I do think it would be bigger if, you know, if, if they beat someone like um, Villanova, you know, a team that has won it all two years ago. Um, maybe North, yeah, North Carolina. They didn't have, they were a two seed this year, but you know they won it all last year. You know, um, mm-hmm. maybe even Kansas. Kansas. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I would say Kansas because Bill Self, he he can't, he hasn't really gone to a Final Four since I think he won um, against Memphis about I believe it's about ten years ago, just about now. Yeah, I remember that game like it was yesterday, but. Um, yeah, I think it would be a bit bigger because it's just because, you know, UVA just hasn't taken that big step and gone to a Final Four in, since the 80s. Yeah, and, and that's part of why I, I kind of root for Virginia. I'm sorry, Hunters, just because they, they haven't been there in a while. It'd be nice to see different teams get there. I know that they've been an elite program, but they just haven't gotten to the Final Four, and, and I and I find myself rooting for them a little bit. and. And I, I would have rather seen a, a 16 seed against one of the teams that have won lately. Um, that I think would have been more enjoyable, at least for myself. Uh, maybe I'm sure a lot of fans just enjoyed any 16 seed beating a one yeah. seed. But uh, uh, Tom, I don't think it mattered to me. It was it was an enjoyable game. It was. And I just yeah, as the second half progressed, it just amazed me that. Uh, Virginia had no answers. So, and and how do you answer a team that's almost played a perfect second half? So, you know, I, I think it's just as impressive. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not downplaying any of it. I think their win yesterday was just as impressive as uh, a win over any other for, uh, top seed team. Tom, I'm going to ask you this question. You, you've watched more sports than either of us, and, and uh, I wanted to 
put a put a to put a bow on this conversation, where do you think this upset ranks? Uh, I, I kind of thought of uh, I wasn't alive to see it, but the Jets Colts upset in Super Bowl three just because that was kind of a blowout too, and that was just supposed to be a blowout for for the Colts. And it ended up being, even though it was kind of close on the scoreboard, it, it was just a dominated game by the Jets. Uh, did that remind you, the, did the game Friday remind you of that or any other upset? And where would you rank that among all the upsets you've seen? Well, you know, the thing about that Jets upset is they were they were 26-point underdogs to a 15-1 and team. So, yeah, I mean, that, that thing is huge. Uh, going back in my memory, um, it, it's it's hard to come up with a bigger upset than than what we saw yesterday. Just based on because you know USNBC, U, UNBC. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about you know as I said earlier, the ultimate hyphen school, um, or one of the ultimate hyphen schools. And one of my rules when I when I uh, do a bracket is is most of my hyphen schools go out early, um, <laughs> but um, you know just just kind of thinking back about it. Gosh, you know this this has got to be one of the main ones. I can't think of anything. You know, probably later today, about five o'clock tonight, I'll come up with a whole list. But but right now, I think. That that one's uh, in the top five, definitely. Um, I thought of um, Giants Patriots uh, in the Super Bowl. I thought, uh, what, do you, what do you think of that one? Well, that one was above, big too, but yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, when the Patriots were eighteen and zero and but couldn't finish off the Giants, but you know, the Giants almost beat the Patriots in Week sixteen of that uh, season. Right. And everybody everybody forgets that that the Giants gave them a heck of a game in I mean week seventeen, the final game of the season, uh, before facing them in the Super Bowl. So everybody kind of forgets that the Giants actually came close to wrecking that perfect season before it even got to the playoffs. Yeah. The other one I can think of is um oh man, this game. Um, Appalachian State going into the big house in Michigan and blocking that field goal to uh, win the game. That was that. That's a big was, one too. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yep. Uh, Boy, that like it was nobody. Yesterday. I forget how badly Appalachian State was was uh, considered underdogs, but yeah, they mm-hmm. right. They went into the big house and and came away with a victory that. That absolutely nobody saw saw coming. Even Nasser Thomas couldn't predict that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, it, it was a big one. But we all know um, uh, uh, Dave is celebrating an upset last night as Syracuse, who did not deserve to get in the tournament, beat Jamie Dixon's team. T- t- Dave, are you okay this morning? I'm fine. I'm I'm in a very good mood, and I'm I'm so happy that you had to prelude their victory with didn't deserve to be in oh. the tournament, Hunter. Oh man, I, I, yeah, you know, you know, I even I think yeah, Dave, uh, you, you agreed that you didn't think they deserved to get in, but uh, they uh, they beat TCU and now they'll go against um, uh, who are they going against again? <laughs> Michigan State. Oh, good luck. Yeah, I don't expect them to win, but uh, well, guys, yeah, guys, I, guys I, what's I getting? Think... 
Oh, go mm-hmm. ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that I, I did not think Syracuse should have gotten into the tournament, but I do think it's pretty funny that it, it, it bothers people, and I guess it bothers Hunter as well because you continue oh, to bring man. it up a week <laughs> later. You know, it's like – you know, we, we celebrate, well, like, UMBC and all these upsets, but Syracuse gets in the tournament, and they become the Cinderella story. They go to the Final Four. They get a couple upsets, oh whatever, God, that, and we, we, we hate happened? on them. It's like, no, we don't want – no, we don't want this upset. No, no. If that, if that, if that happened, oh, my goodness, that, that would be ridiculous. It happened two years ago. <laughs> um, I God, if it happens again, if it happens again, I'm going to – that would be hilarious. I got a big game to talk about still, too. I know. Yeah, we do. We want to get to that. I wasn't expecting to to talk Syracuse today, but I do think it. every year we have teams that get in that shouldn't, right? We have that debate every single year. And I I guess what grinds my gears is throughout the – as long as Syracuse is in the tournament, people are going to say, oh, they didn't deserve to get in. They didn't deserve to get in. And it's just like, well, let it go, people. Let it go. Just well, let it you go. Know what, you know what, Dave? We're moving Dave, on. Let it go. Just people, people, people hate, you know, Jim Beheim's, uh his zone. That, that's what they hate. They hate that. They hate that style. You know, I'm not like a big uh, critique of, uh, of that style as much as I am on UVA's. But, yeah, that, that's why people – that's why a lot of people don't like Syracuse. And because, of course, on other things. I, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sure how high the style of play for Syracuse is on their hate list. I think it's other things. Yeah, yeah, it's other things. But uh, but um, t- Tom, uh, so um, I believed in Loyola. Um, I picked them to beat Miami. I thought Miami going in was kind of overrated. Um, I thought they're still a good team, but I liked I liked Loyola. Um, first off, Tom, uh, did you believe in Loyola? And I'm sure you're very close to. Uh, Loyola, since you are in Chicago, so I was wondering what Chicago was like when uh, Loyola won. Oh, Loyola has been all over the sports, uh, uh, the newspapers, websites, uh, sports talk radio. Um, Porter Moser, I don't think can go on any more radio shows. Uh, he, he's been on everything. Uh, their head coach. Uh, these guys are just being celebrated right now. They were celebrated before, and now that they oh, wow. actually beat Miami, uh, it, it's even grown, uh, the, the enthusiasm behind this team. Yeah, uh, that, that, that shot yeah. to win the game was, was absolutely unbelievable. I was in class, um, and, I, and I, I watched it, and I tried my hardest not to yell out something, and I, I did succeed, but... Um, <laughs> I was glad my uh, my professor uh, didn't look at me. I saw some people watching behind me, so I think they freaked out. But that was that, that was amazing. That shot, Mike. That that shot was unbelievable. I, I couldn't believe that he made that shot. Well, what what set up the shot? And this is really where I would like to see head coaches do a little bit more of. And see, Loyola is uh, an experienced team. They're a uh, they have an upperclassman team, uh, seniors mm-hmm. and juniors predominantly. What came out afterwards, if Cameron uh, Trutwig had come down with the ball to the center, uh, they were going to call a timeout and, and set up a play uh, in the offensive zone. But the ball went to guard Ben Richardson, and 
once he saw that the ball was in his point guard's hands, Moses sat down. He didn't call the timeout. He let the play, he let his players, you know, move the ball up court and, and make a play. And you know, I don't know how many coaches. I don't think they're practically a handful of head coaches who would have allowed that. They would have called timeout immediately, even with the ball in their point guard's hands. That's where Moses wanted the ball. Was in, you know, was in Richardson's hands, and and that's where he got it. Uh, Richardson's mm-hmm. senior guard, and and that's that's exactly what he wanted. So why not let them play and and let Miami try and defend on the fly, and that's why uh, Dante Ingram got that wide open shot at the top of the key. So you know because Moser was smart enough to let his players. Do what they do what they knew they had to do, um, and as I say, why like upper class teams? Because they've been together for three or four years now, and they know what to expect out of uh, their teammates. So, you know, and and Dante Ingram was calling for the ball. He wanted that ball. He wanted that shot. Uh, nobody. He was not scared of the moment at all. Uh, and and yeah. that's that's the other thing. You know, being a senior, being in that situation, uh, playing for a high school champion, uh, this guy, this guy wanted the moment. He wasn't afraid of the moment, and that—that's what you need to do to win these kind of games. Yeah, and and I think it also stresses, you know, this game especially. You know, um, teams make your free throws down the stretch. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Oh, it's the worst well, thing to lose on missed free throws. I'm telling you, I've seen so many teams lose that way, and it's like they're free shots. Nobody's in the way. Make them, and he didn't. And if he could have made maybe just one of them, it, you know, it, 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 honestly, it could have been a different outcome. That, that's the, it, it's. But you know what? They didn't, and that allowed uh, Loyola to have that outstanding shot. But pe- teams, make your free throws. Ah. Well, and that's the thing you do. If you don't, if you can't make the first the 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 first half of the one on one or one plus one, yeah, I mean you're 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 really putting yourself in a pot in in a trouble situation. Um, mm-hmm. I Lonnie Walker turned the ball over a little bit earlier, and then he missed his first free throw, and that's that's when Loyola controlled the ball for the final ten seconds. Yeah. You miss that one and one, and even then it would only make the game sixty-three to sixty-one. But still, you know, there, there's mentally it, it forces the Paul, uh, Loyola to to think, you know, now we got to have a three. We have to at least have a two, but we have got to have a three to win. Well, they got the three, but it might have been a little bit tougher uh, if uh, Walker had made that um, that first throw. Yeah. Well, Loyola Chicago is going to be back on the court today, guys, against Tennessee. Tennessee, a three seed in their bracket. Tom, what's the chances we see Loyola Chicago win again in advance to the Sweet 16? Uh, going to be tough, but again, I like again I like veteran teams early in the tournament, and I don't know. If, you know, Tennessee is a little weak at guard. 
but it, it, it's this is going to be a lot tougher to see. You know, Tennessee's uh, taller, more physical team, and, and this is going to be a lot more difficult for uh, for Loyola to, to pull off. Um, Loyola has the defense to keep it close. But they are going to have to, you know, it's almost like they're going to have to have a perfect storm of their own where they're hitting, um, getting all the shots that they're putting up. So, yeah. you know, that, that's, we're going to kind of see very early uh, how that game is going to progress and, and whether uh, Loyola can stay in that game. Uh, if, if they stay through it through the first half, and yeah, I think they got a good shot of winning it because I think they have very good balance and a very poised team when they get out on the floor. And I love your point about young, uh, younger teams against mm-hmm. veterans, uh, experienced squads early in the tournament. And that was one reason why I liked Loyola, uh, Chicago in, in the first round. And, and Tennessee, a little bit more experienced than Miami, but from what I understand, they're also a, a younger team, younger and more inexperienced than Loyola Chicago anyway. And that's one of the things you run into when you, um, a lot of these schools that depend on these one and done players is, right. yeah. you know, it's hard to, to, uh, to keep that continuity together uh, from year to year where, it, it, it makes so much difference when a team, when the five players on the floor actually know, without even thinking, they know what their teammates are going to do. They know where he's going to be. Um, and, and that does make a huge difference. And to me, that's always made a huge difference. So, um, and that's, that's where I think they have the advantage over, over Tennessee, but, you know, Tennessee is a, you know, they play in the SEC, so that's, that's a, you know, they're used to tough competition. This is not going to be an easy game for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, luckily that my side, that side of the bracket is very good for me. Yesterday is where it all went to crap, but um, I, after <laughs> talk, I, I, it did, it did. Um, luckily for me, though, all four of my final four teams um, in Villanova, Michigan, Michigan State, and Cincinnati are still alive. So, um, but as regards to Loyola, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Um, Tennessee had a very good year, um, even a better year than Kentucky. In, in Kentucky, won the SEC championship. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably be a bit surprised if they beat Tennessee. But you never know. You know, I, I picked Loyola yesterday, but um, it'll be interesting to see if they can beat them. They beat Tennessee today. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. I'm going to enjoy it. Mm, yeah. And, and, Tom, I'm glad you brought up the one-and-done uh, idea. I, 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 again, I, I completely agree with the experience versus youth. And, and that's to return to our, the, the, our top story today. That was what made the Virginia upset even more shocking because Virginia is not a team that uses one-and-done. They, they can't use that as a, a reason why mm-hmm. they lost. They have lots of experience on that team. So, uh, just another reason why UMBC's victory, 20-point victory Friday night, was one of the best upsets, yeah, one of the biggest that, upsets that's amazing in, 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 uh, yeah, in, in sports history. But we're, we're long overdue for a break. We're going to take a 
quick commercial here. When we come back, it was a real busy first week in NFL free agency. One of the biggest or, or busiest teams in the frenzy was the Chicago Bears. We'll discuss what they did after this. Are you looking for a fun and creative way to enjoy fitness? Whether for health, wellness, or as a hobby, Katie's Sunshine Hoops is the answer. Affordable, custom-made by-hand hula hoops, fitness hoops, art pieces, hoop dancing videos, and advice are available at www.katiesunshinehoops.com. And we're back here on WRSP Radio's Weekend Sports Huddle with Tom Paul and Hunter Hodes. I'm Dave Holcomb. Today's show is brought to you by author Marco Zacchio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you towards wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. We spent a lot of time on the NCAA tournament today, but if you want to get your tournament story in on the air today, give us a call, 516-387-1417. We're also monitoring Twitter. Tweet at us, at WKD Sports Huddle. But NFL free agency is underway. Uh, Basically, the the sport that's kind of taking secondary is, is, I would say, ranked second right now in the news behind the NCAA tournament, which is just amazing. Again, the NFL, anybody want to question their popularity, just look at how much we're paying attention to (laughs) the NFL free agency this week. Offseason, baseball's coming up, hockey and basketball are, are approaching the playoffs, NCAA tournament going around, and it just seems like the NFL is still making so much noise. But anyway, the team, a team that made some of the biggest noise was the Chicago Bears. Tom, uh, how do you feel about what they – what did they do first, and, and how do you feel about the moves they've made in this first few days of free agency? Well, I, I think they've done an incredible job so far. They, they've really addressed a lot of the weaknesses on the team. I mean, the first day they added uh, two wide receivers in uh, Allen Robinson from the Jaguars, uh, Taylor Gabriel from the Falcons, who I think is a little underrated as a signing because I don't think uh, the Falcons and Steve Sarkeesian made full use of him. Uh, Tight end Troy Burton, which means that the Bears actually have a player who threw uh, a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, backup quarterback, they thanked Chase Daniels and got kicker Cody Parkey from the Dolphins. So, <laughs> you know, very busy first day. And the really amazing part of it, uh, why they were able to gather all these players together and came out during the press conference is they all talked about playing in this aggressive, exciting defense that Matt Nagy was bringing to Chicago and and working with the offensive staff that Bears first put together. And it's just something you don't hear from free agents when they come to Chicago. Um, the fact that they're, they're excited to work with this innovative offensive mindset, the Bears have, uh, accumulated. So that that was the real um I that that was the real surprise the fans of that press conference when they came out and and said this is this is why because you know they have the young quarterback that they think uh can can play and and be in you know a good position with and with a 
with an offensive coach that that uh, you know is is going to know is is going to know how to use them, going to know how to how to vary an offense so that you know he uses his players in the you know in their strongest uh, you know play to their strengths actually uses his offense to play to their strengths. And I think that's going to be an exciting thing. I mean, Robinson is is an excellent receiver. Uh, yeah, he was hurt yeah, last yeah. year. He's very good, but uh, definitely, you know, a young guy too. But a guy who uh, has caught fourteen touchdown passes uh, in two thousand fifteen. Uh, caught uh, eighty passes for fourteen hundred yards. What? I'm just glad you took him away from the Jaguars. It's one less uh, weapon for uh, <laughs> uh, Blake Bo- uh, Blake uh, Bortles, uh, who has um, yeah, he still has no wide receivers down there, and yet he put up 45 points on the Steelers defense. I'm sorry. Well, the surprising thing, <laughs> and I think the, what surprised people here in Chicago was that the Jaguars didn't franchise tag him. Yeah, that was um, weird. So and, and that he would be available uh, in that way. So you know that was that was kind of the surprise here in in Chicago. Um, and the other thing again, you got a a wide receiver who you know in uh, Taylor Gabriel, who is not only one of the fastest guys in the league, you know really has a lot of confidence in himself. And as I say, I don't like the way Steve Sarkeesian runs an offense, and I don't think they use Gabriel to his uh, to his strengths. And now you're going to have uh, – and now you're going to have him here in Chicago. It's going to be very exciting to see. Um you know, let me give you something Al Robinson said about coming to Chicago and Nega's offense. He says it's just the versatility of it. You see a lot of big plays. You see some dink and dunk plays. You see everybody being involved. It's something that just looks fun to play in. Now, when's the last time you ever heard anybody <laughs> say that they thought a Chicago offense would be fun to play in? And, and the Bear, and the Bears team in general, uh, Tom. Whoever thought you'd say playing for the Bears would be fun, Tom. We, we could see the Bears actually be pretty decent this year for the first time, and um, uh, since they made the NFC Championship game, uh, what was it? Um, Twenty ten. Uh, yeah, tw- eight years ago. Eight yeah. years ago, Tom. But yeah, and that's the thing. Well, you know, there's still a lot of question marks on the team. Um, Trubisky showed a lot last year, but, you know, there's, there's still more you have to be able to see from. Uh, there's yeah. nothing, you know, yeah. you still have to get a better feel for what he does uh, as a quarterback. Uh, did throw for 2,100 yards in 12 games, which was uh, fairly impressive. So even with no wide receivers, he managed to to do a little bit more um, 
than I think a lot of people expected uh, last year as a rookie. So, and again, you know, talking about Trey Burton at tight end, he looked at what uh, the Chiefs did with Travis Kelsey, and uh, that's why he wanted to come to Chicago and play for Nagy. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of fun for Bears fans to hear these kind of things. And you've got a lot of Bears fans who are very enthusiastic about it, and I'm enthusiastic about it. I, I think it's going to be very interesting uh, to see how this plays out. Super Bowl. Uh, Super you know, Bowl. Lo- looking at it from outside of Chicago, I mean, what do you guys think? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. I wouldn't go that far yet. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Dave. No, I, I like all of their signings. I do. I, I, I think to to uh, comment on what Hunter said with them competing for a, a a playoff spot, I always, when you're looking at a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a while and, and their possibility of getting back in it, I, I always look at the division. And, and they got to beat the other teams in their division if they're going to be in the playoffs. They got to beat them in the standings. They got to beat them in games. And, and I'm not ready to say the Bears are going to win in that division. That's a tough division because I, I, I expect the Packers are going to be back with Aaron Rodgers healthy and the Vikings aren't going anywhere. And Detroit, yeah, Detroit's not great, but they, yeah, they're a decent the team. Um, so the I think the Bears What's could – could, push Detroit back into last possibly, but uh, I, I don't what know if they're ready about, to beat the Packers. Yeah, what gets me about the Vikings this week is they made a couple major moves. Um, yeah, yeah. Beating up Kirk Cousins, that quarterback, and Sheldon Richardson to bolster their defensive line, which is already a top-notch defensive line. Right. So, you know. Yeah. And um, and we just saw a uh, big move uh, just now, just now, folks. Uh, I just wanted to say the Jets just traded up for the number three pick in the draft, so uh, they're taking a quarterback. Really? I just wanted to, yeah. They just traded up uh, for the number six pick, the thirty seventh pick, and the forty ninth pick, and the two thousand nineteen second round picks. So yeah, they paid yeah, a steep price. They're definitely to in the market get, for a quarterback. Yeah, probably um, if I had to guess, Rosen or um, Mayfield, one of the big ones. I don't know who, because I don't know who the Browns are going to take. So they well, traded with the Colts. They traded up with the Colts. Yeah, they traded with the Colts. Okay. Well, it's interesting considering that everybody thought this this year's quarterback class was going to be so strong, but now that we're coming up on it. I don't think the there's as much confidence in these quarterbacks as there were heading into uh, last year's college season. Yeah, yeah, it, a lot of them are. Uh, some of them are not even going to start this season. Um, I think the guy. I mean, not even the Browns guy at number one. I, I think they're probably going to take someone like Sam Donald. Honestly, he won't. He won't even start this year. That's going to be. Um, the Browns uh, are going to take Saquon Barkley at number one, and they're going to pick their quarterback at number five. Yeah, I hope they're no. taking I hope, Barkley. I, I hope. I hope not. I hope not. I'll hold out. Uh, no, it's, I want it's happening, to, Hunter. I want him to go to Hunter. The it's happening. Oh. No, no Saquon Barkley is going number one to the Browns, and they will take their pick of the available quarterbacks at number five. Yep, four, four, four. Uh, 
And then, and then the one, Giants, because the, the Giants are going to have to take a quarterback, and then the Jets are going to have to take a quarterback, and then they'll take a – yeah, we could be see three quarterbacks in a row. I don't sure. think the Giants are guaranteed to take a quarterback. Oh, that would be so That would be so weird of them not to. I actually like, think that they're, they're likely to because I think they're going to need one. Yeah, uh, it's coming time. They got to put someone in. Uh, they have to get Eli's, Eli's replacement in. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's. I think if I think Barkley is available, they are taking Barkley at number two. I don't think he will be there, that, but if they he's there, will. they're taking the running back. I'm just saying if. Yeah. I was saying if. Yes, yes. If he if he's there, if he is there, which I, I'm not going to dispute it, guys, because this is the Browns. The, the Cleveland Browns do funny things. Yeah, I mean, not the predicts. Not one Barkley, number yeah. one to the Browns. I, I, I'm just saying, it's the Browns. If they pass on Saquon Barkley, the, the Giants are the Giants are gonna. I think well, the, Giants the, will the Browns actually have an NFL general manager in place now, in John Dorsey. I know. I know. So don't but you, you, don't you, don't you know, This is not. These are not the baseball moneyball guys that are that are <laughs> running their front office anymore. You you, you never know. Well, it's the Browns. So, you know, <laughs> okay. If they do pass on Saquon, which there's a small chance, um, I do think the Giants, like they said, the Giants will pounce on him. But if they do not, if they do take Saquon at one, then the Giants will probably take a quarterback because they they have to. Honestly, Eli's at the end of his career. I don't think they have to do anything, but. Uh, that's just my opinion. Oh, we'll man. talk more draft stuff in yeah, the weeks to as come. It gets yes, as, as it gets uh, closer. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about that happened yesterday. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, and really an inexplicable move to, to me, I don't think it's <laughs> quite why they tried this, but they, the Bears had put a transition tag on cornerback Kyle Fuller, and the uh, the Packers actually uh, signed him to an offer sheet that, you know, really was not any kind of cap killer that was going to hurt the Bears. Bears, and, I mean, they've already matched. They had five days. They they already did it last night. Um, and I'm not sure what the Packers thought they were going to accomplish by doing this. So, but, you know, the, the thing is, now with uh, Prince Mukamara signed to a two-year contract, the Bears have their entire secondary coming back next season. So, you know, big move uh, for the Bears uh, on defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I do want to say this. Um, Dave, I wish NHL GMs had the balls to offer sheet players, but, you know, we don't want to um, uh, mess up our relationships. Um but I was definitely caught <laughs> off guard by by the Packers doing that. Um, it was definitely weird. Um, t- Tom, were Bears fans just laughing at the Packers, or was it really just funny in Chicago? Well, there's some fans who were actually wondering why the Bears used the transition tag. But actually, Bears kind of let the NFL set the market you know, instead of using a franchise tag, but they wouldn't have gotten a long-term deal done with Fuller if they used a franchise tag. They used the transition tag. They let the NFL set the market. This is not going to cost them more than a couple million more than they would have ended up paying for Fuller anyway. So, 
and yeah, it, everybody's kind of looking at why, what, tell what was on their mind, why they ended up doing that when there was just no way that the Bears were going to allow the Packers to take, you know, one of their starters to begin with. And then, you know, a, a, a first-term cornerback, there was no way the Bears were going to let him go to Green Bay. Uh, no way he gets past the keys curtain up in the Green Bay. So. Oh, man, yeah, that, that would that would set <laughs> Bears fans off. You know, so to me, Case actually made a brilliant move by putting the transition tag on him. And now they have uh, uh, Fuller signed to a contract. I, it's a little bit more than maybe they would have paid for as far as guaranteed money. But this is not a cap killer for the Bears. So, you know, very advantageous. And, and as I say, I'm not quite sure what the Packers thought they were going to get out of it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's not like the. Uh, I had to relate to the NHL again. What the Flyers did to the uh, Predators with the uh, Shea Weber contract when they actually screwed up their cap so bad that um, his contract is a disaster. That, that it's not nearly like that. They actually signed him to a deal that doesn't even kill their cap. And the Packers right. like, okay, let, we'll see what they do. And the Bears are like, um, okay, we'll just we'll, we'll match that pretty easily. And I'm sure uh, Ryan Pace just uh, kind of lapped in Green Bay's face a little bit. Um, it, it was. They it didn't even take the Bears eight hours to match. Yeah, it took them just a few. Yeah, it took them a few hours to do it, um, it which is kind of funny. VT alumni Kyle Fuller, baby, played safety. <laughs> <Beautiful. laughs> So, great dis- great discussion, guys. We're out of time on today's show, down to our last minute. We want to encourage our fans to join us during the week. Follow us on Twitter, at WKD Sports Huddle. Follow us on Facebook, hoping to do more Facebook Lives in uh, the next few weeks. So follow us on Facebook. Um, I-, I-, I want to get to something else to happen in the NFC North in, in uh, the coming weeks, the Vikings and their quarterback situation. We haven't touched upon that. That's a big story of the offseason, and the quarterback dominoes seem to be falling now since Kirk Cousins has, has signed with the Vikings. Uh, we'll get to that maybe next week. Today's show is brought to you by, or was brought to you by, author Mark Rosacchio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you towards wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. Another story that we probably will get to next week, we didn't get to today. In hockey, there's a report from the Chicago Sports Talk 670 The Score that the Blackhawks are considering firing head coach Joel Quenville. There's no other reports supporting firing. It's that Quenville actually thinks he's going to be the one that's fired. Oh, okay. Okay. That's the well, twist on the story. So Quenville, Quenville believes he's the one. It's, it's not a report from management, really. It's a report that no. Quenville thinks... He's out. This is a report from some team insiders that Dan McNeil, who just came back to 670 to score, uh, reported a couple of days into his uh, new afternoon show and said he, and he's been in sports talk in Chicago for about 30 years. Uh, this guy's been around, and he says the insiders that he knows on the Blackhawks are saying Quenville 
is the one who thinks he's going to get uh, the X after the season. So it, it's not corroborated anywhere else, but it's an interesting take. Yeah, it certainly is. And I wish we had more time today to discuss it, uh, but we are out yeah. of time. Uh, I, I hope that we get to that story next week. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time.